So we are continuing the series that we started uh, last week. Uh, and our theme for our Christmas uh, messages this year is great joy for all. So like I said, we started last week and we looked at, at Mary and Joseph and their experience with the angels coming down and, and, and you know, interjecting into their lives, giving them uh, you know, onto this new path that they were not expecting or asking for. Uh, and we saw um, last week, again, how their reaction, first reaction was one of fear and confusion and how the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. And then we see again um, in Luke chapter 2 regarding the, the shepherds and their interaction with the angels and they showed up and again their reaction was one the same, was one of fear and, and confusion of what's really happening and which leads in in that story to our theme verse for this series which is Luke chapter 2 verse 10. Okay, where the angels reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Again, oftentimes we have the same reaction as Mary, Joseph, as Mary and Joseph did and, and as the shepherds of when God moves, when something is going on that we're not sure what's happening, that is our initial reaction is one of fear. And yet here the angel invites the shepherds and, and invites us to, to be able to trade in our fear and exchange it for joy. He's saying, no, because what is happening, God is at work, and what is happening is good news. And it's not just good news for you, but for all people. And this good news will turn to joy. Now, as we think about this word joy, it's a joy that, that it's a word and a concept that comes with many aspects. There are many parts of joy that, that we kind of have to break down and define and decide exactly um, all that it holds. And through this Christmas season, we're looking at different parts that when all combined together add up to biblical joy. And so last week, again, as we lit the candle of hope, and we saw again how joy needs hope in order to exist. And now today, as we move on to the second candle in the Advent wreath, the candle of love. And again, love is a very complicated concept. Right? It's one, there's many different facets of love and, and, and different ways for us to understand and different kinds of love. In fact, it is so, um, it's so hard to understand in the Greek language, which is the, the language the New Testament was originally written in, they have multiple words to describe all these different kinds of love. Right? And love is something that, that, again, can be hard to understand. And yet, the Bible tells us that God is love, right? And that God encompasses all of these different aspects. And, and again, God and being love at the very core of who God is, is love. It comes down as well that love is the key to relationship. In fact, love is about relationship. And, and that is, again, the unique thing about Christianity and about being a follower of Jesus is the fact that we are not a part of a religion, but we are a part of a relationship with our Creator. And that is how, again, the, the core of following Jesus and being a Christ follower is, is that we enter into a relationship with God, not just a religious ceremony or rituals that we follow, but an ongoing relationship, a relationship that we here at Oregon Trail call our faith journey, right? One that, that we continue to move on through forward closer to Christ every day. Right, that, that, we, that we put work and effort into our 
relationship with God as we learn more about ourselves and more about who he is. And so the aspect of joy that I want to look at today that is deeply connected to love and to that relationship that we have with our creator, right, is, is this idea that joy needs belonging. Right? The, the, uh, the aspect of joy is that we belong. We belong to something bigger than ourselves. Okay, that we are accepted, that we are loved. And, and this, this, is a, this is a need within, with, deep within the human psyche, right? That we all long to belong. We all long to fit in. We all want to be accepted into, into one group or the other. Okay, when, when you think about this concept, again, so many things about, about the human condition you can, you can observe in kids, and you can see it again, a lot more. I think a, a lot of when you see, again, God says faith like a child, like you see things come out in kids that, that are deep, have deep, deep spiritual meanings. And again, one of those things you see in kids, and we even think about our own childhood, is how much we long to fit in. Right, again, we, and we, we want to fit in with, with our friends and with those kids around us, and we want to have a group that we belong to. Okay, and again, kids do all kinds of interesting things. If you watch kids on the playground, you'll see this deep-seated need within every one of them to belong to something. Right, again, when I think about my own childhood, again, I, was, I, I grew up, um, and most of my, you know, again, elementary years were, were in the 90s. And again, there were some very interesting things that happened in the 90s. But, but when, when you think about that, and I remember that, again, this longing for, for, um, within myself to fit and to belong. And, and you know, it's very interesting, because it was my experience then, and just as you watch kids and teenagers today, like, they want to fit in so badly, and so, uh, you know, but yet they want to be independent, they want to be unique, and so, but yet they all want to dress exactly the same. Right, because that's a big part of fitting in. Is like, do do I do I have the same style as everybody else? And I remember as a kid, like that there was again, there were lots of very interesting style fads that happened in the '80s and '90s, right? And again, I, that was that was my childhood. And again, we look back at that and and wonder like, why did we do that? That was very interesting, right? But again, one of these fads that I wanted to be a part of so badly, and maybe some of you guys remember, okay, was the hyper color T-shirt. You guys remember this? Okay, I know some of you are like, yeah, but somebody's like, why would you do that? I don't know why we did that. It was crazy. Okay, but it was something I really wanted. Okay, and like I remember, again, my, my, one of my birthday years, and I remember, again, birthday as a kid is a big deal, and, and I remember saying all I wanted was a hyper-color sweatshirt. Right, and, and I remember I, I got it, and I was so excited. I got it for my birthday, and I, I wore it to, to school that day, and, and I quickly realized how bad of an idea this was. Right, but again, I wanted so badly, and I did just to fit in and be like everybody else that, that, that was so lucky to have a hyper-color t-shirt, and, and like I said, and then I realized, again, so quickly that it really wasn't that great, and in fact, it wasn't even comfortable, and, and how much I wasted an entire birthday present on a horrible hyper-color sweatshirt. <laughs> right, but when we think about, again, this, this longing that we have to fit in, okay, to, to belong to something. Right? And yet belonging in the spiritual context is a big deal. Right? It's something that God has wired within each of us when he created us. Again, belonging in the spiritual context is the, the reassurance that comes with knowing that there is a higher power. That life is not all about me. And that I can be connected to a God that loves me and cares about me. 
and that ultimately brings the joy that I cannot find anywhere else. Again, we all get that joy when you fit and when you belong and you think back to your childhood, and again, you know you felt that joy or else you felt the absence of it if you didn't fit in. Again, now this is exactly the concept, again, that we studied several months ago in, in the message series titled Hebel, okay, when we studied the book of Ecclesiastes and, and we looked at, at, again, the core of that message. In fact, that entire book that Solomon wrote was about how everything in life is meaningless if God's not involved, right? And again, he talked about how much we long to belong to God and to his design for life in the way that that is. And now as we enter into this Christmas story, this Christmas story, again, reminds us of how much God loves us, how much, in fact, he loves us so much that he would send his son Jesus to earth with a mission of redemption. And again, what was his motivation for this elaborate plan? His motivation was love. Right? His motivation was love because he loves us more than we can imagine. So much that he went to this, this huge elaborate plan of sending Jesus to earth as a baby. Right? And to grow up. Right? And to, to eventually die on a cross and rise again to save us. And so as we think about the Christmas story, I want to use today, as we think about this idea of belonging and this concept of how belonging brings us towards joy, I want to use our, our base text this morning is going to be from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to John, chapter 1. If you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets in front of you, and you'll notice on the outline are the page numbers of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. But as we open to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we're going to pick up the story at verse 10. Now, this is not a traditionally Christmas passage, okay? but yet it, it speaks very deeply to this, to this need to belong. And so we're going to, we're going to go there this morning. So uh, again, John chapter 1, okay, starting at verse 10, where it says, He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Yeah, now, as we read this passage, and again, this, this description of that John, the apostle John gives us, and, and again, and even steps into the world of John the Baptist. Again, there's, there's two different Johns at play here in this passage. Okay, and the Apostle John who wrote the gospel, and then we have John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist okay, was, was born just before Jesus. 
Okay, in fact, he's as a part of the Christmas story. When Mary finds out she's pregnant with Jesus, then she goes to be with Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist at that time. Okay, and so he, again, was born just, uh, just about six months ahead of Jesus. And, and John the Baptist's role was to pave the way for the Messiah. Okay, to, to start to, to change the spiritual landscape as he, as he started baptizing people with water and says there, there's a new way coming. And we see again through his testimony as a part of that, right, as we start to see God's elaborate plan of redemption start to play out through first through John, and then he passes the baton on to Jesus as he enters into his earthly public ministry. Okay, now, as we see all of this, again, here, the the Apostle John takes us through these these two interweaving stories of John the Baptist and Jesus, and and again, showing us um, this deep, longing to belong and how God fulfills that need within us. Okay, the first thing that John points out, okay, is how we belong, how we get accepted into God's family, and that is we belong through belief. Okay, that is how we enter into this this story of who God is and his interaction with his creation. Okay, in John chapter 1 verse 12, as we read, it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, all who believed and all who accepted him, right, he gave the right. Okay, the right to what? To become God's child, right? To enter into this relationship with him. Now, again, the thing that stands out to me in this verse is this phrase when he says, then he gave them the right Again, this, this, this idea, this concept of having rights is one that we as Americans understand, right? It's, it's at the core of the American DNA of, of what our country is built on, right? That we have certain rights that were given to us by God. In fact, if we go, you know, to, again, our nation's Declaration of Independence, okay, if we look at this document, again, this foundational document of our country, Right? In, in the beginning paragraphs, it says, and I quote in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Again, as we read those words, even about, about our country, again, we get this concept that we have rights that have been given to us by God. Right, again, and that's the foundation again, of, our, of our country, but yet to move beyond that is we, we know that that concept, right? That concept means that no one can take that right away from me, right? That if I want to do it and I have been given that right by God, then I can do it. Now to, to connect those dots back to our own faith journey is through my belief in God Okay, now with that, it's, my belief in God doesn't just give me the right to protest or the right to express my opinion, like the Declaration of Independence, but this says I have the right to be God's child. Right, and again, who has that right? Everybody has that right. Again, as we look at it, one of our core values as a church is that everybody is welcome into the story of Jesus. Right, that God wants all to be to receive this belonging, this, this ultimate joy that can be found only in him. 
Again, when we see this concept that, that he gives me the right, I, I enter into this right by believing in him. Right? And when I do that, then we see the next concept that John gives us here in this passage about our belonging. And that is that you belong through a shift in your identity. Because when I believe in Christ, when I receive him as my Savior, right, as we say, when I join the journey of faith, right, then my identity shifts. Because every person on this planet is God's creation. Again, to all, everybody is God's creation. But when I receive him as my Savior, when I believe in him and I, I become a part of his family, my identity shifts from God's creation to God's child. Now again, who does God want in his family as his children? He wants all of us to be. But yet we are separated out of that family by our sin, right? And by this fallen world and by evil. And, and again, the, the separation, that veil that is put between us and our creator. But it doesn't change the fact that we're God's creation. But yet when I receive Christ as my savior, when I join the journey of faith, then I move from God's creation to God's child. In fact, the way John puts it here in John chapter one is that I'm actually reborn. Again, that's what he says in verse 13. He says, for they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Again, we are reborn. When we receive Christ our Savior, we, we are reborn. And again, we, we get the concept of, of our physical birthday when we are physically born, right? Which is the result, again, of, of physical birth. Right, but he's saying this is the spiritual concept is we are reborn when we receive Christ as our Savior, as God's child. And so not only do we have a physical birthday, but we also we have a spiritual birthday. Of whenever you receive Christ as your Savior, you are reborn. And again, he says, but this birth is different. It's, it's not a human birth, but it is a birth that comes from God. I encourage you to underline that phrase on your outline. Okay, it is a birth that comes from God. Now again, we, we have, again, our identity, right, is God's child because it comes from God. Again, remember, if you heard last week, remember to these, the, the story of Mary and Joseph and the interactions they had with the angels, right? When they were thrusted into this Christmas story, right, what did the angel tell them? The, the angel said that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Right? Again, he was Jesus' life, the, the Christ child that we are celebrating the Christmas story, was not a result of human passion or plan, but a result of the Holy Spirit, a birth that came from God. Right? And now, when we are reborn as believers and followers of Jesus, right, our identity changes from his creation to our child, and we are reborn by the Holy Spirit, and therefore we become Brothers and sisters of Jesus. Right? And, again, spiritual brothers and sisters with each other. Right? We are a part of God's family. We belong. That is our true core identity. Right? And, and as we, we realize that, right, and, and we, as we are reborn, as we start to live into that new identity and, and start to journey forward within our faith, Okay, then we, we quickly understand, right, that, that 
which is the next point that John gives us, is that we belong to a God that understands you. We don't serve a, a distant God, a God that has no idea what it's like to be human. We serve a God that that literally left heaven and put on flesh, right, and, and, and came to earth, right, that, and because of that understands us better than we can imagine, right, because they, again, God gets us in a way. He understands what we deal with. He understands our experiences, what, our struggles, our temptations, you know, the, the, our happy times and our, and our struggle times, like God gets it because he put on flesh in the person of Jesus and experienced everything we experience. We belong to a God that understands us. You know, when we think about that, that, that relationship, that connection we have with God, you know, we realize again on, in the earth, within our earthly relationships, right, is that um, nobody understands you like your siblings understand you. Right, again, if, if, you, if you have earthly siblings, right, your siblings get you in a way that nobody else gets you. Okay, when I, when I think about, even as an adult, my relationship with my sister, I have a different relationship with my sister than I have with anybody else. Okay, because my sister is the only one that really knows what mom and dad are really like. <laughs> right, my, my sister, right, is the only one that shares these great summer vacation memories. She's the only one that understands the worst holiday that we ever experienced. Right? Again, think about your siblings. You have a connection with them that you don't have with anybody else. And again, your siblings are the only ones that probably know your most embarrassing moment from your childhood. Right? And again, we have a connection with them that we don't have with anybody else because ultimately your siblings are the only ones that agree with you about how crazy Aunt, Aunt Edna really is. <laughs> right? Again, they, they get you in a way that nobody else gets you. Right? And when we think about, again, our connection with God, right? as John tells us in verse 14, he says, so the word became human and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Again, God understands us in a way that our siblings understand us, right? In a way that nobody else gets, right? God understands you because he put on flesh, right? Jesus himself, he left heaven and left his title of Lord of all creation behind to make his home on earth as a human, right? And yet, he still kept his divine nature. Right here, the person Jesus was 100% human, and yet he was also 100% divine. As you look at this, again, as John describes it, right, he says he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That is a description of a divine nature, right? Because Again, I know myself, I'm not full of unfailing love and faithfulness, right? That's, that's something that we as humans cannot reach, right? Something we can strive for, but that only God can give, right? And yet Jesus was 100% human and yet also 100% divine, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Let that sink in for a moment. He understands what it's like to be human. And he knows you better than you know yourself. 
Okay, and even with that idea, even with all of that, he still wants a relationship with you. He still wants a relationship with you. Which means, again, leads us then to this, this next concept that John tells us, right, about, about God, is that we belong to a God that wants us to know him. Right? Not only does he know us better than we know ourselves and, and all the love and everything that he gave through the person of Jesus, but he wants us to know him back. Right? Because ultimately, that's what relationship is. Relationship is a two-way street. Right? If, if, there, if a relationship is only going one direction, it's not actually a relationship. Right? And we've all been a part of relationships like that, where you feel like you just give and give and give, and you get nothing back from that person. Again, that's not a relationship. Right? And God looks at us and says, in this plan of, of redemption right, in us is to enter into a relationship with us, which means he wants us to know him back. And like I said, that's what sets Christianity apart from any other world religion, is the fact that it's not a religion at all. It's about a relationship with our creator. Right? Because we serve a God that not only knows us and went to great lengths to save us, but he wants us to know him back. Right, we see, again, as, as John describes this in verse 18, okay, when he says, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Again, which is why, again, the entire Bible is centered on the life of Jesus, because Jesus shows us things about God that we can never see anywhere else. Right, as he says, God has, or Jesus reveals to us who God is and the heart of God and, and what he taught and the way he interacted with people and, and all of that, again, is centered. He shows us who God is. Right, and the more we learn about God, the, the, the deeper of a relationship we can have with him. Again, there are many reasons to celebrate the Christ child. And one of them is because the life of Jesus reveals to us more about God than anything else ever will. Again, when you think about this concept of relationship and God want, knowing us and him wanting us to know him back, right? we go back to the love of God. And love is only love if it is freely given. Okay, love is only love if it's freely given. And if we don't know somebody, then we can't love them. Right? And this is why, again, uh, when we look at the earthly marriage relationship, and we think about, again, the love that is, that is, is shared between spouses, okay, is that, again, that your love changes for each other the longer you're married. I'll tell you, I've, I, I've been, right now I'm involved. I did a wedding last weekend. I'm doing one on New Year's Eve. Okay? And a part of, of, if I do your wedding, a part of that is that I force you to come to premarital counseling with me. <laughs> Okay, now again, I, I require that because if you look, and we all notice, that our culture is not very good at marriage, right? And, and again, my hope, right, is that I can help them, point them to God, right, who created marriage and who's going to help them to be as successful as they can be. And again, during that time, we talk about, you know, personalities and communication and just all these kinds of things. But one of the things that I used to point out to premarital couples, okay, which is a widely known concept, is that the first year of marriage is the hardest year. Okay, the first year of marriage is the hardest year. Okay, why is that true? Well, because as soon as you're married to them, 
you start to learn things about them that you had no idea about them. Right? Because the, when you get to know them better, suddenly your love changes. Again, we can see this if you, if you fast forward, not from the first year, but the more you get to know, they get to changes, and your love changes over time. Okay, I'll tell you, I love Maureen very differently today than I did 16 years ago when I originally took those vows. Because I know her very differently now than I did then. Right, but then uh, fast forward even, you walk, look at people that have been married 40, 50, 60 years, right? And you see, again, the love they have for each other is very, very different than a premarital couple or a newlywed couple, right? Because your love changes the more you know them. Okay, and the same is true within our relationship with God. The more that we get to know God, the more we are able to love him. Right? The more you get to know God, the closer your relationship can be. And the more that your love truly is a two-way street. Because God cannot love you any more than he already does. Because he is love. Right? But uh, the core of our faith journey is us learning to love God back. Better and better. Right? Now, as we again, see this, this concept of belonging, okay, uh, um, I want to... Now go into the last part of John chapter 1. And here, again, we, John, the Apostle John gives us uh, some more interactions between John the Baptist and, and these other people. And then I want to pick up the story, okay, in John's testimony about who Jesus is in verse 29. Okay, so read with me John chapter 1, speaking up at verse 29. Okay, where it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent him to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will, be, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus, and so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Again, as we look at, at this testimony of John the Baptist, right, as we see through this whole first chapter of John, as we see this interaction of the Trinity of God, Right, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a concept that's at the core of our faith, right, that there is one true God, and yet that God is manifested in three different ways. In God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we read this testimony of John the Baptist about Jesus, okay, we realize that we belong to a triune God that has gone to great lengths to save you. You belong to a triune God that has gone to great lengths to save you. Again, God had a plan of redemption ever since Genesis chapter 3 when we fell into sin. Right? And the rest of the Bible is about God redeeming us and getting us back to a, a, an unhindered relationship with him. Right? And we belong to a triune God that has gone to great lengths to save you. Again, as we've worked our way through John chapter 1, we've seen all three parts of the Trinity described. And in fact, in, in, in other Gospels, when it talks about when John 
baptizes Jesus, it says not only does the Holy Spirit ascend like a dove, but it even describes uh, literally an audible voice of God the Father saying, this is my son in which I'm well pleased. Right? And this is one of the few places in scripture where we see all three parts of the Trinity active at the same moment. Right? As they all work together, right, to be one God. And again, the, the Christmas story is the start, the earthly start of that plan of redemption. And ultimately, the Christmas story and, the, and everything that follows in Jesus' life from that point on shows how much God loves us and how far he is willing to go to save us. One of the reasons we give gifts at Christmas is to show how much we care about other people, right? We care about them by giving them a gift. Okay, God showed how much he cares about us by giving us the ultimate gift of salvation. Again, and that was a gift that came with a huge price tag. Right, he sent Jesus to earth with a mission of redemption to live a sinless life, to die on a cross to rise again on the third day so that we can be saved. That is a huge price to pay. And yet God paid it for us because of his love. One of the deepest human desires is to belong, to fit in, to be in a relationship. And because of the Christ child, we can belong to the family of God. And that connection and that love that we will share with God will turn into a, a joy that you cannot explain in any other way. But just like any gift, like the gift of salvation, a gift is not a gift until it's been received. You have to receive that gift. And again, therefore, God does not force us to love him, but yet he gives us an invitation to open that gift. Right? And if we open that gift, if we join the journey, receive Christ as our Savior, then we start that new journey towards Christ and growing closer to him every day. And so this morning, I hope that you have opened the gift of salvation. Have you received that gift from God? If you, if you had never have done that, then you can literally receive and open that gift today. Right? Just by praying to God and confessing your sin and saying, I believe in Jesus, please forgive me and save me and start me on a new journey towards you. Okay, if you have opened that gift, I hope that, again, this Christmas season will be one that will continue to move you forward in your journey of faith. And that, that this Christmas season would not just be one more routine that we go through every year, but one that will move you closer to God as you journey towards him. Okay, and that leads then to my final thought this morning, and that final thought comes from 1 John verses 4 or chapter four, verses eight and nine, where it says, God is love. And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. And that is the greatest gift you will ever receive. But you have to receive that gift and open it. I said, my hope this morning and not just this Christmas season, but moving forward, is that you open that gift every day as you journey in your faith closer and closer to Christ. Right? And that we continue forward in that journey that does not end until we are with God in unhindered relationship in heaven.
So my hope, again, if you've never received that gift, I hope you receive it today. If you have opened that gift, I hope that you'll continue to open it as you grow closer to Christ in your relationship. Lord God, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, that you would come. Lord, we thank you that you came, Lord, in the Christ child. God, that you put on flesh and you understand what it's like to be human. And God, we thank you, Lord, that through that life of Jesus, God, that we can be in a relationship with you. Lord, that we can not just receive our salvation, but receive an ongoing walk with you, an ongoing relationship with you, Lord, that we are never alone because you're with us. And God, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would come in our lives. God, it would wash away whatever we're, we're facing, whatever fears we face, whatever sorrow we have. Lord, that we would trade those in for joy. And God, I pray, Lord, that through this Christmas season, we can continue to shine and share your love and your light. God, with this world that so desperately longs for you. God, as we go this week, Lord, as we walk through all the Christmas celebrations, God, that we will continue to focus on you and to share who you are as we journey towards you. Lord, guide us this week as we continue to journey. Lord, give us the, the courage to take whatever step we need to take in our, in our faith. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.